I'm Ariane Elfont, and this is Death, the Podcast. Death may be defined as the destruction or permanent end of something. At Death, the Podcast, we are looking closely at what happens when something ends. We listen, learn about, and discuss the stories that surround the subject of death. These stories bring up much more than feelings of fear and sadness. They offer opportunities for connection, for hope, and sometimes even for humor. Ultimately, if we are open to exploring death, we create greater potential to experience life. Our guest today is Dr. Shoshana Ungerleiter. Shoshana is an internist at California Pacific Medical Center in San Francisco, where she also teaches and serves on the Foundation Board of Trustees. Shoshana's work focuses on improving how seriously ill patients are cared for throughout the continuum of life. She founded the Ungerleiter Palliative Care Education Fund to support innovative programs that further palliative care education at every level. She is joining me today on Death the Podcast to talk about her efforts to equip both providers and patients with the tools they need to have more meaningful end-of-life discussions. Welcome, Shoshana. Thank you. I'm excited to be with you. So palliative care is a growing field in the medical industry. Was there something specific that drew your attention to that field? I became interested in palliative care actually during my first year of residency training. So I had gone through my four years of medical school and really hadn't encountered the field uh, much at all. I think I remember uh, walking in the hallway as a third year medical student and bump, literally bumping into a palliative care provider. And I only knew that because I took a look at his white coat uh, that said under his you know, name, uh, palliative medicine. And I well, kind of wondered, well, what is that? And, and when I learned that um, palliative care docs, you know, focus on, on improving quality of life for, for seriously ill patients and focus on um, hospice and the end of life as well, I kind of wondered why anyone would, well, why anyone who had gone to the trouble of going to medical school and learning, you know, all this information about how to how to cure patients of disease, why they would ever want to focus on death and dying. It was really puzzling to me uh, because death is really taught um, to to be seen as a treatment failure. Right, and mm-hmm. and nobody uh, in in medicine wants to talk about failure. So it it really wasn't until I had finished medical school, gone on to residency where I was taking care of patients of my own, uh, specifically in the ICU. And I over and over saw the same story of of very frequently um, uh, frail, often elderly people with incurable illnesses ending up in the ICU uh, spending their last moments of life hooked up to to tubes and to machines, really far away from their loved ones often, and it didn't. Uh, nothing we were going to do was going to uh, reverse their illness. We were just um, making them suffer in in many cases, and um, this didn't look to be uh, an ending that that maybe matched you know, these patients' goals and values of how they were living their lives when they were well. And that didn't sit well with me. I actually found myself in a lot of moral distress um, over seeing this happening uh, over and over. So I 
I was lucky enough to train in an institution where we had a fantastic, and we still do have a fantastic inpatient palliative medicine consult service. And those providers really served as mentors for me throughout my training. And um, I became interested in in how they were able to really connect with, with patients and with families and use you know, the principles of shared decision-making to come up with a plan that, that made sense and that was truly, um, again, in line with these patients' goals and values of how they wanted to live their lives um, for however much time that, that was. Seeing death as failure, how do you see death now? Well, I, I, I see death... Um, as a as a part of life that's from the time that we're born you know we're actually also dying um so uh, for for me personally for my family and you know and for my patients i find that you know when we can sort of allow that perspective into um our way of thinking i think it can be really helpful i think you know it allows people to live fully by recognizing that there will one day be an end my friend uh, lucy kalanathy who is the wife of the late stanford neurosurgeon paul kalanathy who wrote when breath becomes air um such a good book it's a, an amazing book you know she says dying and living really aren't separate things we're doing them both at the same time and so I think this reframing can be very powerful for people um, to not only embrace this fact, really, but also to live each day to the fullest. If you had three wishes about how to fix the current healthcare system, what would those three wishes be? Well, I think there's a few ways to answer this question. I, you know, I, um, I actually think that uh, changing the healthcare system, um, especially in light of what's going on uh, from the uh, political world right now, um, is going to be incredibly challenging and not going to happen anytime soon. Unfortunately, I, I personally think that the biggest shift in in healthcare uh, as it relates to to end of life is going to come from uh, patients and consumers really demanding better of the system. And so, you know, I, my, my wishes, um, you know, really for society, um, would be number one, um, recognize that advanced care planning, uh, meaning having, uh, conversations about end of life, designating a healthcare proxy and being really clear about your goals and your values about how you want to live your life. Um, as it relates uh, to serious illness, um, I think that um, it's incredibly important for, for uh, the lay public to understand that that's Im- important um, in order to have um, really control and autonomy uh, if and when serious illness comes up. I think number two would be that um, we really need to change the stigma in this country about uh, death. So much of what we've already talked about, you know, recognizing that death is a natural part of life and a place that we're all headed at some point. Um, and really along the lines of, of advanced care planning, become empowered to shape your own um, experience as best as possible as it relates to, to death and dying. Um, and then I think the third component uh, or the third wish really 
um, does get back to the system in that we have to do a better job of training um, our healthcare providers, physicians specifically, um, about um, about the end of life experience. I think that um, doctors need to learn how to talk to patients, um, provide really open and honest channels of communication, especially as it relates to um, diagnosing someone with a serious illness and discussing end of life. Um, I think that um, something that we call primary palliative care, which is um, not just the field of the specialty of palliative care, but really that all doctors, no matter if you're a primary doc or a cardiologist or a hospital-based doctor like I am, should really have a solid foundation in, in palliative medicine um, fundamentals. And again, be trained in, in communication skills. And then also be um, mindful that um, it's important for physicians to value their own health and wellness and be more reflective about the work that we do. Um, the rates of, of burnout, of depression and suicidality among physicians are incredibly high compared to the general public. Um, and there's a reason for that. We just, we don't do a good job as physicians of taking care of ourselves. So I would say that, um, my first wish being, you know, uh, more people, uh, completing advanced directives and assigning a healthcare proxy, I think changing the societal views about death and dying and then healthcare provider education would be my three, uh, top wishes for ways that, you know, we can improve. What is the art of an end of life conversation? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I think that honestly, it it just takes a lot of of practice. Um, that you know, uh, no matter if you've been you know physician for three days or for you know thirty five years, these conversations are really really hard. And recognizing that uh, I think is important. I think you know, every situation, every patient and, and, and their family is, is, a, is a different, um, context. And so, um, knowing that, you know, some conversations will be more straightforward and easy in a sense, and others will be, you know, fraught with, with challenges. Um, I think, you know, recognizing that again is, is critical. Everybody has a different way of approaching these conversations. Um, but, you know, as of the year 2000, only a quarter of medical residencies in this country offered any kind of coursework on care at the end of life as part of their curriculum. And more recently, I believe it was only 7% of medical schools that were surveyed um, had any mandatory coursework um, in an end of life, especially as it relates to communication. And so I just, I think we're really missing uh, the mark. And um, uh, and have a lot of work to do as far as making sure that physicians especially um, know how to do even the most basic um, conversations as it relates to end of life. I will say that um, the most helpful um, conversations for for healthcare providers to have with patients and patients to have with their loved ones is much more of a conversation about um, about what brings my life meaning, what brings me joy. Um, if I was no longer able, you know, to speak or to move, um, would life still be worth living? 
Um, so th- those are the conversations that are actually um, really illuminating and are much more helpful than, you know, uh, a question of sort of how do you want to die. What is the mission of the Ungerleiter Palliative Care Education Fund? The the mission of the Ungerleiter Fund or the Ungerleiter Palliative Care Education Fund is to support uh, innovation around palliative care education at every level. And uh, I'll tell you what I mean by that. You know, uh, initially I I set out to support um, healthcare provider education in palliative care. So back in 2014, we funded a comprehensive palliative care education program uh, for the residency at California Pacific Medical Center where I trained. And the goal of that program uh, has been really to from from day one of residency. So the minute, you know, these young medical students walk through the door and they're newly minted doctors, they have um, they have coursework in palliative medicine fundamentals. They work with our health psychology department to learn communication skills. Um, and then they have a, a curriculum on physician wellness to prevent burnout, as I mentioned. Um, so my, my original goal uh, was to make sure that, that all doctors um, were able to have adequate training um, in, in these three areas I mentioned. And what I realized is, uh, is that you know, being 100% philanthropy funded, as we are, it's challenging to think about sustainability and to think about scaling that model. Um, it's pretty hard to make the business case for something that you know doesn't uh, stand on its own and, and requires uh, a lot of a lot of philanthropic dollars. Um, and so the my um, focus has really shifted. Um, I continue to support um, physician education, but. I have also um, become very interested in how to engage the lay public in a conversation about what is palliative care? What does it mean to, you know, do advanced care planning? Why, why is it important? I um, funded a, a short documentary called Extremis, um, which is about end-of-life decision-making in the ICU. Um, we were just nominated uh, for an Academy Award this past year, which was very exciting. Uh, Netflix, thankfully, you know, bought the film, and so it's available, you know, to millions of people all over the world. So, you know, my feeling is that um, unless you work in healthcare or have had a personal experience with um, being in the ICU yourself or a loved one there, you don't really know what it's like to be critically ill. Um, in, in, in the intensive care unit. And so I think this film does a really good job of just showing you um, in a very observational way, um, you know, what, what that can look like, um, the challenges that, that patients and families and healthcare providers uh, face in that environment, um, really with the goal of making sure that, that patients are informed about um, what, their, what their options are. The Ungerleiter Palliative Care Fund, you've also supported, I believe, the um, been part of supporting the Open IDEO, IDEO Challenge to Reimagine End of Life. Yeah, so, so IDEO is a San Francisco-based uh, design firm and has been in this world of, of human-centered design for a long, long, long time. Um, they uh, have an arm called Open IDEO. 
um, which is uh, an online platform um, for um, idea generation uh, around sort of problem solving. So we we chose the topic of end of life and and posed the question to the world online and how can we reimagine the end of life experience for patients and their families and the Unger Lighter Fund, along with Sutter Health and the Helix Center in London, uh, co-sponsored this design challenge, which started last spring and uh, went throughout the the summer and then into the fall of 2016. And it was really an incredible experience. We had thousands of, of people from all over the world engaged in conversation about uh, about the end of life experience. These were, you know, physicians, nurses, um, caregivers, um, you know, lay people just interested in the topic, designers, um, really, really a wide, um, a diverse group of people who, um, mostly, you know, had had a personal experience, um, either themselves or with their families around, uh, serious illness and, and end of life and shared their thoughts about, you know, how can we think about the the patient, the person and their family as the end user and design a product or a service that uh, improves uh, their experience, which I think, you know, in, in the healthcare system, there is not enough of, um, well, there's not really much uh, human-centered design thinking as it goes into uh, planning spaces or, or providing services for patients. And so it was really fantastic to have Sutter Health um, step up as a, as a, as a leader uh, in this space. So we came up with uh, 10 top ideas at the end of the challenge that were uh, in conversation uh, with about helping them um, bring their, their ideas that were mostly, you know, very early stage um, uh, to life. So it's it was a wonderful opportunity to connect with people, and uh, for me as a clinician, um, really getting you know outside of of the clinical setting to um, think about problems in a in a new and different way. Um, it was a lot of fun. Are there any other projects that? Um your palliative care fund, the Ungerleiter Palliative Care Fund is a part of that you wanted to speak to or elaborate on? Yes. So we are planning, actually, a uh, symposium scheduled for the first week of December of, of 2017 here in San Francisco called End Well. And this is really the first of its kind. It's a national... Uh, interdisciplinary convening of organizations and individuals who really care about the end of life conversation and really what it means for patients and families to to live well until the very end. And um, what's unique about about this uh, symposium is that we really are not just looking to healthcare providers um, to have this conversation. We are um, inviting, uh, inviting healthcare providers, but also looking at healthcare administration, um, policy, um, insurance providers, um, people from the world of, of technology and innovation, um, as well as, as the arts, um, 
to really think about this as a societal issue um, and, and keeping the patient or the person uh, and their family at the center of the conversation. So really using the umbrella of human-centered design thinking um, to talk about this issue in a, in a new and different way. So we're thrilled. We're partnering with the California Pacific Medical Center Foundation um, on this and uh, hope to have our full lineup of, of speakers and programs out uh, online soon. But it will definitely be um, an incredibly engaging uh, conversation, um, similar to how TED does shorter um well-curated presentations uh, and panels. So that's that's what we're we're working on uh, currently. In the projects that you have been a part of so far, have you observed the impact of your efforts? That's a great question. I think um, one thing you know that's incredibly important um, when thinking about impact is sort of how do you measure these things? What are the metrics by which you measure success? Um, I can tell you that uh, with respect to our residency palliative care education program, we uh, up until last year had never had any residents uh, apply for fellowship, meaning further specialized training in palliative care. It was just never a field that anyone in our program ever went into. And last year we had not one but two residents match in palliative care fellowship. Um, and so to me that shows that the institutional support of this incredibly important field um, has really um, been, been helpful for our residents. I mean, they, they are um, engaged um, in this and uh, I think it's fantastic. A small part of our um, palliative care education program is a quarterly lecture series in the evenings, um, which we originally set up for our uh, healthcare uh, faculty and residents. And it turns out um, the majority of the people that, that come to these quarterly evening events are actually interested community members. So mm -hmm. we went from you know having only a handful of people show up to you know have experts speak to them about this topic um, to you know, selling out, um, every, every session. Um, so that to me shows that, you know, um, that we're providing a service that's valued, um, for the community and that people really care about having this conversation, which I find, you know, exciting. At the end of your career, how will you know you've made a difference? Honestly, my ultimate goal, and I don't know if it's going to happen by the time I'm at the end of my career. Um, my ultimate goal is to actually get rid of palliative care as a field because it's just how all medicine is practiced. Um, it was actually, you know, a, born out of a reaction uh, of the of the healthcare system out of a need um, for more uh, support and and care for patients with serious illness and um, it. Uh, it's really, to me, uh, just good medicine. So if if we can if we can get rid of palliative care and it's just a part of all care, I think that um, I will you know I will have met my my ultimate goal. I'm so appreciative of your of your time. Oh, absolutely. 
Well, I just have to say thank you so much for the work that you're doing, and um, it's just fantastic. The word death evokes all sorts of personal feelings, images, and stories. These stories are amazing, and sharing them connects us more fully to life. I'm Ariane Alfant, and you have been listening to Death the Podcast. Join us for our next episode in this series. This show is produced and engineered by Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Jill Gross. Our theme music, It Happened, is written by David Milling and is performed by David Milling and Charles Milling. To hear more of David's music, go to his website, davidmilling.com. Our social media director is Jolie Robichaud. If you're listening to this on iTunes or Stitcher or some other podcast app, if you could take a moment to rate and review us, that helps other people find us. You can find Death the Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or at deaththepodcast.com. Death the Podcast is a production of INO Broadcasting. Labor Day signals the unofficial end of summer, but not the end of your outdoor projects. Lowe's helps you do it right and helps you save with Labor Day deals throughout the store. Shop now and get two bags of Stay Green Potty Mix for $12. And keep your lawn looking neat and trim with a Craftsman 2-Cycle 17-inch gas string trimmer now $20 off at just $119. Whatever's still on your to-do list this Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 828. Soil offer excludes Alaska and Hawaii, U.S. only.